I think studying disease is not a great way to learn how to be healthy. The best treatment is actually to create health. We need to stop fixating on the study of disease and start studying the science of creating health. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Kevin Connors. Welcome to another episode of Connors Clinic Live. We have a great guest today, Ari Gwitten, who is um, does a lot of work with energy and increasing people's energy. And we got a lot to talk about in the short time, so we're going to jump right into it. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So we're not going to dig deep into your history. We'll let people discover that on your website. We'll have all that information. But let's talk about what your passion is in helping people. The very short version of it for me is uh, I've been studying health science since I was a little kid, since I was 12 years old. Um, this health science, fitness, athletic performance, body composition, being healthy, what it means to be healthy and live a long life has really been at, at the center of my, my existence and my world, my world mentally. This is what I've been studying pretty much my whole life. I'm, I'm gonna, it's gonna be three decades now pretty soon. I'm turning uh, 40 this year. And um, the initial portion of my study was, was very much dedicated to athletic performance and bodybuilding and body composition. And that was my world for a very long time. I was very dedicated to it. I was very gifted in, in that area from, you know, I was, by the time I was 14 years old, I was reading college level textbooks on nutrition and exercise physiology and things like that. And um, I think that also gave me a really unique background. Um, my older brother, who we were just talking about, who's a chiropractor, has, was my best friend from a very young age. He was also dedicated to, to health. He was a, a bodybuilder and personal trainer uh, from the time I was very young and being mentored by a professional bodybuilder. And, and, and so I had this introduction from a very young age to that world, which was really biohacking before biohacking was a term. Uh, the original biohackers were bodybuilders. And this kind of knowledge is a very unique kind of knowledge because it's experiential. It's not sitting in a classroom learning abstract concepts about health and biochemistry and different mechanisms. It is literally the day-to-day -day constant experimentation with your own physiology. Basically, I, I went on uh, to do a degree in, in kinesiology, exercise science, um, a lot of focus on nutrition, got certifications in nutrition and as a performance enhancement specialist, a corrective exercise specialist, training and being a nutritionist, working with individuals was, was my day-to-day -day opera operation and experimentation, not only at that point with my own physiology, but with many, many other people. Um, and then I actually went to medical school for a couple years, hated it went to a PhD program in clinical psychology, completed all three years of coursework, and then really decided I want to move back to my roots in, in nutrition and exercise and lifestyle choices uh, to be healthy. Um, and I've also done a master's in human nutrition and functional medicine. I, I think this, this base of experimentation with human physiology is really important. And, and I would also add, there's a really interesting distinction between a focus on pathology and disease versus a focus on health. 
And the, the whole conventional medical paradigm, certainly, is really a, a disease paradigm. It's a pathology paradigm. It's the study of disease. And we try, the, the whole paradigm is sort of based on a, on a conceptual framework that says, if we study the, the biochemical mechanisms of disease, we can figure out, quote unquote, the cause of the disease. For example, depression is caused by a, uh, caused, quote unquote, by a deficiency in serotonin in the brain, or um, atherosclerosis and heart disease is caused by LDL cholesterol, and, and, and so on and so forth. And then based on that understanding of pathology, it seeks to create drugs that interrupt what it perceives to be abnormal physiology, to interrupt those disease process processes. And then by virtue of interrupting abnormal biochemical mechanisms that are associated with disease, the idea is that would reverse the disease or cure the disease, or at, at least hopefully correct some of the symptoms of it. Um, and there's a context where that model works really well in, in in battlefield medicine and wartime medicine, and even in the context of emergency medicine and uh, dealing with acute infections, uh, it can be, you know, antibiotics can be life-saving. But when it comes to chronic disease, the model has really been a massive failure. And, um, and, and what I think is that it's been a failure largely because of the focus on disease. I think studying disease is not a great way to learn how to be healthy. It's, it's different sets of tools. And, and if we wanna be healthy and prevent disease, and I would argue in most cases, the best treatment for most diseases, with some exceptions, the best treatment is actually to create health. And so the whole, the, the whole paradigm needs to be upended. If, if we actually want to create health, we need to stop fixating on the study of disease and start studying the science of creating health. We're looking at it completely backwards is what you're saying. Yeah. So how do you, you get an average person that maybe has some sort of auto, autoimmune disease or something like that. How do you get them from that medical model into a more functional health lifestyle model that, um, it's, it's a, it's an educational process, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And here, here's a big shift in thinking. This is really interesting. I find a lot of people don't know this. Um, I've been shocked actually also at the amount of practitioners that don't know this, but it's really important. Um, you're kind of extending out from what I was just talking about. There's a lot of research to show that even if we, well, actually, let me step back for a second. So the, the whole central core Western medical paradigm is we need to, there's this disease and there's that disease, heart disease and cancer, and neurological disease and obesity and diabetes. And if only we could find cures for these diseases. And, and the, the assumption built into this is that if we had a cure for heart disease, if we had a cure for cancer, et cetera, that we would just live so much longer. And in fact, this paradigm is, is completely not true. This assumption is totally wrong. Um, it's, it's actually been shown in, in numerous studies that if we had a cure for heart disease tomorrow, heart disease is the number one killer in the Western world. If we had a cure for it tomorrow, it would actually barely budge the average lifespan. 
The same is true for cancer. The same is true for all the other major diseases that we are desperately in search of a cure for. And the reason why is that these are largely diseases of lifestyle and environment that are, it's not just one, this one part of the body that has some kind of dysfunction. It, it's widespread dysfunctional uh, physiology and, and poor metabolic health that is, that's, that's creating dysfunction in numerous systems of the body. And then basically the diagnosis of what disease you get is, is essentially whatever disease process happens to emerge first sort of based on your weakest link, but it's not like if you remove that piece, the rest of you is completely healthy and is gonna live a much longer period of time. In fact, the research shows that um, basically if somebody didn't die of heart disease at age 79, they'd probably die of cancer at age 80. And if they didn't die of cancer at age 80, they'd die of complications from diabetes or neurological disease at age 80 and a half or 81. And if they didn't, if all of those diseases are cured, it would still barely budge the average lifespan because most people's whole body essentially breaks down and you get multi-organ failure on average by about age 85. In other words, people die of old, quote unquote, old age. That's what dying of old age is, is basically the body as a whole becomes so broken and dysfunctional that you get multi-organ system failure. Your body just says no more and it taps out. And, and here's the key point. The actual maximal genetic human lifespan isn't, isn't age 85. It's around 120. So the real key, if we want to really live longer, it's not to cure this disease and to cure that disease and to cure this disease. It's, it's actually to learn the science around how do we slow the rate of aging as much as possible at the cellular level so that we are on average reaching close to 120 uh, of the maximal genetically determined human lifespan as opposed to dying 30 or 40 years sooner from basically accelerated cellular aging and dysfunctional metabolic health. Yeah, so the named disease that a person may be currently suffering from is just the effect of the epigenetic choices that that person has made that is basically breaking down metabolic pathways. Right. Um, it, it, it's like if you see somebody, you do a blood test and you determine... Um, oh, you've got high blood pressure and your, your blood sugar, your fasting blood sugar in the morning and hemoglobin A1C levels indicate that you have type two diabetes. Okay, let's put you on this blood pressure medication to normalize your blood pressure. Let's put you on metformin to normalize your blood sugar. Okay, we did it. We got those biomarkers in ranges that says you are not diabetic or you don't have high blood pressure, hypertension anymore. And, and then we assume that you're healthy, but you're not healthy. You're yeah. actually, your physiology is still very much the product of the same lifestyle and environmental inputs that led to those dysfunctions in the first place. And if you take drugs to change those numbers a little bit, that doesn't mean you're healthier and well, it doesn't mean you're going to live longer. Yeah, I've always told people like taking, um, you know, something to lower their cholesterol, a statin drug, you might as well, you'd be you'd be healthier if you just erase the number of, of your blood test or the cholesterol, you wrote in a number that you wanted to have and then look at it and say, wow, now I'm healthy. You'd actually be healthier <laughs> doing that than by taking the drug and having the damage to the cellular structure and the metabolic pathways from the drug itself. 
exactly. complicating things worse, but giving you a false narrative of uh, cholesterol in a healthy range. It's absolutely right. ridiculous. And and, so. and the, the logic can be better understood if, if for people, because we're so indoctrinated into this conventional medical paradigm, you know, a drug for every disease, and where it's assumed that taking a drug to normalize that biomarker is quote unquote healthier, all you have to do to realize the, 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 the fallacy of this model is to say, well, what if we took a, a healthy person and gave them five different drugs, a blood pressure drug, a blood sugar drug, uh, you know, a, a, a drug for, you know, whatever other things, an antidepressant and so on. Would we expect that healthy person to be healthier as a result of those inputs or less healthy? Less healthy, you know, and, and, and this is very obvious that we, we can expect much more net harm than good by taking a healthy person and putting them on several different drugs. Um, but we assume that taking a diseased person and putting them on the drugs is going to be beneficial. The reality is um, there in, in as a generalization, you know, you look at um, statin drugs or um, blood pressure lowering drugs. There's a specific maybe sub demographic where you could find studies like in, in people who have had multiple heart attacks and, you know, like who are on the, the, the last phase of, you know, very close to death and their body's failing. Maybe the statin drug extends that demographic's life longer than it, than it would have. Um, but the overall body of evidence shows that statins don't actually extend lifespan in the vast majority of people who are prescribed statins. And, and that general finding extends across most most drugs, most of the, the core drugs that are supposed to be life-saving and extending human lifespan. Well, and I found when I started teaching these truths that you're teaching back in the 80s, it was like you were running into this brick wall of propaganda yeah. by the other side. And it hasn't changed. It's yes. gotten worse. You know, you, they, you know, the news cannot even share the truth anymore because you know, their their entire ad campaign of the pharmaceutical companies is sustaining the network, you know? That's right. So yeah. it's, uh, it is the, a grassroots effort to try to re-educate people. Yeah. But there is a large percentage of people that will still run and get a drug when they think that that's the solve of their problem. We're doing things all wrong by making the focus all about studying disease and then trying to develop drug cures for disease. Even again, even if we cured most of those diseases, it wouldn't make much difference to your lifespan. Um, what we actually, what most people need to actually be focused on is creating health. And interestingly enough, I, I'd make the argument that if there's any demographic of people that really understands that science, it's the people who have been seeking to optimize their health and their performance, uh, you know, since since the since the time that they were young, like athletes who are constantly experimenting with their physiology and trying to gain the edge. It's like, how can I optimize my physical performance? How can I do everything possible to um, 
give the right inputs in terms of nutrition, give the right inputs in terms of training, give them right inputs in terms of rest, give the right inputs in terms of recovery, in terms of sleep and circadian rhythm, in terms of drinking pure water, in terms of breathing clean air. How can I gain the edge over my competition um, by optimizing my physiology in every way possible? Um, and of course, there's a dark side to that, the use of, you know, steroids and, and, and dangerous things that are harm, harmful to health. But, but in principle, um, that body of knowledge, just as dis distinct and different from the study of disease and the attempt to reverse disease and, uh, and interrupt abnormal pathology with drugs, I would argue that it's, it's those athletes who have been studying how to optimize their physiology that are actually much better equipped it's that body of knowledge, much more so than the study of disease, that's going to add years or decades to, to your life, to your lifespan, and especially to your health span, which is the amount of time that you're alive, that you have a highly functional brain and body. I think most of our listeners would agree with everything that you just said. So, um, and you coming from that athletic world, and uh, having that experiential knowledge that really drove you and drives continues to drive your passion how would you take somebody who didn't come from that world um is living a you know a typical american life having now been diagnosed with whatever disease um and you know wants to get off their medications how do you how do you now practically deal with a person like that it really helps a lot if someone can start to see themselves as an athlete. You, you don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to do sports. You don't have to compete against anyone else. But to the extent that an individual can adopt the mind frame that they are training to accomplish some objective, that they are learning how to optimize their physiology, their performance in body and brain, and learning the knowledge and the skill sets and creating the habits that are necessary to do that. So it's, it's a process, again, of learning knowledge, skills, and behaviors, habits that has to be systematically integrated and cultivated in one's life. And this is, you know, obviously we, we get started with simple things. Like if somebody has zero experience, you walk around a grocery store with them and say, hey, like we shop in the periphery. If something has a label on it, you probably shouldn't eat it. Buy single ingredient foods that don't have a label on it. They're not wrapped in plastic with a set of nutrition facts. Like you go into a grocery store, buy some carrots, you know, just buy some lettuce, you know, things that don't have a label, buy some beef. It's got one ingredient, beef, you know, um, buy some chicken, buy some seafood, you know, and, and start to build that set of knowledge around, okay, we're going to start by doing arguably, probably the single most important thing that you can do to optimize your, your health and live longer and prevent disease. Eat only whole foods, get processed foods out of your diet. You start there, you, you've just building that knowledge and those skills and those habits to make the right choices and eat only whole foods regardless of whether you're vegan or paleo or keto or whatever, just the commitment to eat whole foods and learning that set of knowledge and, and how to shop in a grocery store will make a massive difference in, in your health just by implementing that one simple thing. And then there's 20 or 50 or 100 things like that that can be implemented after that initial basic step. 
Now, I, I would summarize what you just said is they you have to get people to take responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, because we live in a culture where, oh, I have a disease and I'm the victim of a disease, you know, yes. um, instead of I have this array of symptoms that my doctor has labeled as a, a named disease because of my choices in what I have done up to this point. Um, and getting people to take responsibility, like an athlete, okay, if you're an athlete, and you're going to perform, it's all up to you. You, you know, you can't, you, a coach isn't going to make you good. A coach can only tell you what you have to do to train, what you ultimately are responsible to do to train to get to that level that you want to be. And that's really what doctors have taken that responsibility away from people. And maybe I'm talking about standards of care and, and because they want everybody to have that codependent relationship on them instead of real doctors, which are teachers, coaches, you know, putting that, you know, continue to keep the, the responsibility on the patient to do the things that they need to do to get better. And it's actually really simple. It's just that humans have, humans are great about doing it in lots of other contexts. We're just masters of not being able to do it with ourselves. And here's what I mean by that. Um, if you've got a plant in your house and you notice that the leaves are starting to brown or the, the plant is wilting, everybody immediately goes, well, something's clearly off with the inputs. Either it's not getting the right light, it's not getting enough water, or maybe it's getting too much water, or the air quality is not great, or the soil quality is not great. But it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be something about the environmental inputs, because you know that that plant isn't genetically programmed to, to wilt and be diseased and to brown. We know that it's actually genetically programmed to be healthy and assuming, and we know that if, if it's not healthy, that means by definition, essentially, it's not getting the right environmental inputs to express what it's been programmed genetically to do, which is to express health. Humans are exactly the same way. We're programmed genetically. Millions of years of evolution uh, have, have programmed us genetically from our ancestors who had to deal with extremely harsh conditions, surviving famines and wars and crazy climates and, and all kinds of difficult circumstances. And we're programmed like other creatures on this planet genetically to express health. And if we are not, if we are not expressing health, particularly if the, the species, a large portion of the whole species in a particular environment is not expressing health, we need to be able to go, something's off with the environmental inputs. How can we correct that? But instead, most people go, oh, my, just for random reasons or bad genetics, I'm diseased and therefore I need to go to the doctor to get a drug to uh, fix my disease. And it's just, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of saying when your plant's browning and wilting, let's go study the, the biochemical processes of browning and the biochemical processes of wilting, and then go to a lab where we engineer drugs that we can inject into the plant that interrupt this pathological process of browning or this pathological process of wilting. We have convinced ourselves that we're doing something very sciencey and very sophisticated, but it's actually laughably absurd when you just look at it in any other context than humans. Imagine you've got a big lake 
with lots of fish that are dying and fish that are washing up on shore with tumors on them and fish with brain diseases and um, all kinds of weird behaviors that indicate mental illness and atherosclerosis in their arteries and so on. And you go, imagine you're a biologist studying this and you, and, and, and you get up on stage and you present to a conference of other biologists and you say, you know, I think what's going on is that um, there's random genetics that are causing all these diseases and if these diseases are just occurring for random reasons and what we should do is study the biochemistry of each of these diseases and set up little hospitals on the shore of the lake to administer drugs to all the sick fish with this disease and that disease. I mean, you'd be laughed off the stage if you presented this kind of thinking. Uh, any basic biologist knows, oh, there, there's something off in the environment, you know? There's probably something toxic in the lake. There's, there's some kind of toxicity in the environment where these fish are not getting what they need to be in their natural state, which is health, right? Well, we've come a long way from that understanding you said just with the human race. And of course, there's been a propaganda campaign, you know, that has that spends, you know, billions of dollars a year to educate the masses that that diseases from a deficiency in a drug. And yeah. uh, it we're still fighting that fight. It, you just wonder why people can't have their eyes open to this, maybe because so many people are tied to the pharmaceutical industry and some um financial way also uh, the medical monopoly in some financial way i mean we saw it with this whole quote-unquote pandemic the last few years of how people were just bamboozled to believe things that were nonsense yeah um i had you know semi-arguments with people that were highly educated in the, the office building that i was in prior to this and there were you know highly educated attorneys that were wondering why I refused to wear a mask. And it's like, I can't, you guys can't read articles. You can't, I, I just don't get it. Um, it, it. It is a battle of, of understanding and getting people to look at life through a different paradigm. Um, and it takes and, people like you to, to continue this grassroots effort to get people to open up their eyes to this. Yeah, agreed. And, and um, I think ultimately, there's, there's just going to be a bifurcation of, of types of people and types of thinking. And some people are going to insist that the scientific, quote unquote, the evidence based, quote unquote, way of doing things is to keep researching disease and try to find cures for disease. I don't really want to talk about disease. And I don't want to spend decades of my life trying to understand all the complex, infinitely complex and constantly, um, you know, the, 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 the complexity is constantly expanding each day as new articles are published on new intricacies of the biochemical abnormalities of each different disease state. Because I don't think, I, I think we're under a delusion, we're operating in a fantasy that the answer to living longer lives and healthier lives lies in that deeper understanding of disease. It doesn't. So I'm not interested in that anymore. And, and, and even playing the, the, the natural game, like so many functional medicine practitioners do, it's, so, it's certainly noble work to help people who do have diseases. But I think ultimately the bifurcation is 
either you are going to be in the majority of the population that disowns any personal responsibility for your own health outcomes and says, I've spent seven decades drinking Coca-Cola and eating donuts and McDonald's, come save me with your drugs from these diseases that I've developed. And you want to operate in that kind of fantasy that you think there's going to, they're going to develop drugs that are going to be able to cure you of your diseases and that therefore you're going to live decades longer than you would have otherwise. Or you're going to be in what I consider the much smarter segment of the population that says, you know what, my health, my health destiny is a reflection of my habits. And the inputs, just like any other plant that I'm taking care of or animal that I'm taking care of, it's health, whether it's obese or lean, whether it has a, a, a good mood or not, whether it's mentally ill or not, whether it's highly energetic or chronically fatigued is a function of the environment and lifestyle inputs. And I'm going to take responsibility for my personal environmental and lifestyle inputs to provide the right inputs so that my genes can express properly express health so that my mitochondria can produce abundant energy so that my brain works well so that my hormones and neurotransmitters work well so that i live a long and healthy life as close as possible to the maximally determined genetically determined human lifespan of 120 and then i accept that you know eventually my 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 organs will fail and i'll die of old age and, and I think that's, that's the right way of looking at things. That's the smart way. Well, we are totally on the same page of that. I think getting people to accept that personal responsibility is the key. It's also the hardest thing to do, yeah. to get people to do that. And I do fully agree, and I think it's been played out in the last few years, that there is going to be, there's just a separation of people that some yeah. will and some won't. There's a lot in the middle that you're trying to convince and that's yeah. why we're doing these podcasts. <laughs> but um, it's it is there's a big group of people, probably the majority, that think this is nonsense. That there's just some magic potion out there that's going to be the cure all. Yeah, um, that is a living in la la land. Um, so. I thanks for being on. I would love to have you again. I, I just know that you are a wealth of knowledge, and I think our listeners would love to hear more from you because I, I really would like to get into and probably be another hour conversation on what you're doing. Uh, we'll share your information uh, and your web presence and everything and what you're doing with your energy uh, information and your program that you have. But I would love to get in and get dive deep into that if you'd willing to be on again i'd be happy to yeah we didn't we didn't get a chance to go into fatigue and energy enhancement but you know suffice it to say if i can add one little bit on that i i think what we ought to be focused on and we ought to be measuring and trying to pr improve is not focused on studying disease and this disease and that disease it's and and trying to reverse abnormal pathology it's, it's actually we, we, what we should be focused on and measuring are things like energy and things like resilience and things like mood and things like physical performance and mental performance. We should be measuring those parameters rather than just um, doing lab tests to, you know, organic acids tests and blood tests and measuring, uh, you know, blood sugar levels and blood pressure levels and uh, cholesterol levels we ought to be measuring these parameters that actually give us an indication of our health status way before 
a, a disease emerges. And if we measure that and we know a person's lifestyle habits and environmental inputs, and we match that up with, okay, what are the more optimal lifestyle and environmental inputs for the human species? Okay, now we can start to make changes that are about creating health rather than waiting until we get diseased and trying to reverse disease. And I think energy in particular and how energetic you are, or how fatigued you are, is the single best sort of central indicator of your overall cellular health that, that will tell you whether you have healthy physiology or not. Do you have abundant energy throughout the day or are you chronically fatigued in brain and body? That's, that's a really key indicator. And, and I would absolutely love to be on again and talk more about that. I would love to have you. Thank you so much. Um, we'll give our listeners all your contact information. Ari Witten, you are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Connors. All right. Bye-bye.